thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Well, um, yeah, it's such a privilege to be here. My name's Dan. Uh, this is my beautiful wife, Marina, and my daughter, Grace, who's also beautiful, strong, and yeah, tells us what to do on a regular basis at 10 months. Um, and it's a privilege to be here. Just so I was, I was coming up, I, I just sense particularly if, if this is your first time in church or maybe you're coming back to church or you're checking out this church, that thing that you're sensing in the room is the Holy Spirit. And he is here with us. And really simply, um, it took me a long time to figure it out, but really simply, when God created the world, he was there in all three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says it right there at the start of Genesis because the Spirit was hovering over the water. Really simply then, Jesus came to live on earth. He died a death that me and you should have died and so that we could have life in all its fullness and we can say bye to our past and hello to our future. And that actually then he said, hey, I'm going to leave me with you, but in a different form, and it's the Holy Spirit. And some people said that finished in Acts 28, but actually this morning disproves that for me (laughs) because he's here and present with us. And every day for me disproves that. So you want to know who God on earth is? He's called the Holy Spirit and he is with us. So that peace you're experiencing, that welcome you're experiencing, that love you're experiencing, that overwhelmed feeling you might be experiencing, that's okay, it's the Holy Spirit. And um, he's never going to try and control us or overtake us, but he is the one who can guide and counsel us for even the most troubled times. Just wanted to say that at the start. Well, um, it's my privilege to help lead an organization called Hope Together as well in the UK. We're seeking to help churches everywhere share Jesus with anyone is, is really the simple aim. And uh, we're really excited because in this coming year, we've got something called Hope 2324, which I want to show you a really little... Show, actually, I might not show you the video. I'll just tell you briefly about it. And then if you want to talk to me afterwards, you, you can. Um, but I also have the privilege of helping to lead a local church called Life Church Lancashire. We've got a big Sunday today. It's called Back to School Sunday. You, you can also... Yeah, this is also Back to School Sunday here because we didn't claim that or invent that. Uh, everyone is going back to school this week. Well, not everyone, just the, the people under... <laughs> 18 of the people that work there. Um, and, uh, and that's a real privilege. I'm also part of leading something called The Way in the UK, which is a movement of young people and young adults online seeking to reach out to other young people and, um, and, and help take people on a journey towards Jesus, which is super exciting. But in this coming year, we've got something called Hope 2324. In, um, in 2008, I was part of this church as a teenager. I heard about something in 2017 called Hope 08. Uh, my youth pastor was the good-looking bald one at the front, um, Johnny, and uh, so I don't know you. You're also good-looking and bald. Uh, but um, and I said, oh, I really love to be part of this. Really love our church to be part of this. And Johnny was like, Yeah, sure, you lead it. Uh, not knowing much about <laughs> how to lead anything at 16, but uh, we had a go and it was fun and we saw some people reach for Jesus and it, it was a lot of fun. And the whole point was to say, hey, how does the church unite around what Jesus is up to, his mission, to share and show him with anyone? 
And, um, and so in 23, 24, we're going for that again. So if you want to talk to me about that or if you want to connect with anything to do with Hope, got these little connect cards and that, but would love to support this church, but any church in the town, to see, just to see how we can work together more uh, to share Jesus with others. And so that's what we're really excited about. And um, just want to say, in, in that story as well about Help Away, actually, that's a massive honor into this church, not just to Johnny, but the fact that I was empowered and released. I believe a lot of the way that I lead now and help people and try and encourage people and come alongside people is because of how I was led and the opportunities I was given. And so that's really significant um, because Barrow is one of those places similar to the place that we live in Burnley that when people turn 18, there's a lot of people leave, um, but never see that as losing people, see that as launching people. Because when you shift in that mindset, then actually you have a much bigger impact for the kingdom of God, not because you determine what they're doing now, it's just you feel part of it. Um, and so that's so significant for me in my journey for what this church did for me. So this morning, I want to focus on one verse. We're going to have some verses around to unpack that. And so if you want to turn to Acts 4.13 in your paper Bibles, flick there. Also in your other Bibles, turn them on, slide down, whatever. However that works for you, it'll be on the screen as well in just a moment. We'll, uh, we'll come back to that in a moment, Tabby. Um, but back in March this year, which seems a long time ago, uh, me and Marina and Grace decided that we were going to go out and serve a bunch of leaders who were gathering in Malta, leaders from Europe, leaders from Middle East and North Africa as well. And so we got together there and the weather was okay. Malta's an okay place to have a meeting, by the way, for a week. Uh, it's okay in March. It's not like... It was 18 and it was about minus 18 here. So... Um, <laughs> And, and we had a great time, and, and Grace did amazing on the plane. She was just over four months old, and that was a lot of fun, and she did well. And we, didn't, we weren't as passy around her then. She's been passed around about 17 different people this morning. Uh, but there were some little old ladies sat next to us that, met, that wanted to hold her and see her. And on the way back, we were on that weekend in March that was incredibly bad weather. I don't know if you remember. It was the first or second weekend in March, and it was like winter had revisited us for a whole weekend. The rain was horizontal, the snow was vertical, and the wind was the other direction. And, and it was bad, right? I don't know if you remember that weekend, whether, you know, how, how bad it was up here, but it, most, <laughs> it's nice up here. The weather's better than where I live. Um, and, and we were coming back, and, and the plane was slightly late, and, and, and it was a plane that was going straight back to Manchester that had come from Manchester, and we took off, and... It was all good and leaving beautiful views and coming over Europe and it was getting darker because it was getting into the night and, and as we were kind of coming into Manchester, it was very cloudy, there was, you know, it was clear that the weather wasn't great and I genuinely felt like we are going round in circles. I had no evidence for this, but I just, I just, you know when you just feel, I don't know if it's motion sickness or what, but I was just like, I don't think we're going anywhere at the minute. We seem to be circling. I'm pretty sure I've seen that before in the break in the clouds and even in the darkness. And then the captain came over and I felt like we'd gone up and down a bit as well. Not just turbulence, but dropped significantly. And, and he said, oh, you may have noticed that number one, we're going around in circles. And number two, uh, we've tried to land twice already. Um, I just didn't want to concern you by letting you know that we'd attempted it. So this time we're going to have a go. And I thought, that's cord forward running out of fuel, and we don't really have any other options. Uh, and it was jet two, so I'm sure there was lots of extra fuel on board. Not. Um, no, no, joking, love jet two. Great. 
other airlines are available that are really, really cheap. Um, and, and so as we're kind of coming in to kind of take this on, the plane is, is, isn't just kind of, you know, you get those drops sometimes in stormy weather if you've been on a plane. And, and there's, there's plenty of that going on. But there was a lot of side to side going on. And there was a lot of kind, just general movement that was all in, I felt, the wrong direction. But we're there and we're looking at each other and we're thinking, oh, this is the first journey we've taken with our daughter. And like, we've flown a few different places and we're not that bothered by it. But in this moment, you start to get scared and tense and think, oh, there's a little person that we're responsible for and I'm not in charge of how this thing is going. Um, and so it's kind of this dichotomy of like, what the heck is going to go on? But yet Grace is there and she's just like, ah. Uh, in the middle of it, we are like panicking inside, trying to keep that brave face on. Uh, parents know what I mean. Grandparents, other people just looked after anyone else's children, probably know what's going on. And, and, and in that moment, she's just like, and, and as we're coming into land, literally, you see Manchester, then you don't. You see Man- and I thought, the wing is going to hit the ground before we do. And I'm not exaggerating, it was literally like that. You could see the runway, you could not see the runway. Thank goodness we were towards the front, because I turn around and there's people leaving their seats at the back. I don't mean to get up from the toilet, I mean just like heads moving up and down. And we landed, and everyone cheered, you know, like, woo, we're alive, kind of thing. Uh, we'll pretend that wasn't as scary as it was, and that the pilot didn't say, we'll have a go. Um, what was that? I mean, he really needs to change his vocabulary. He's just like, no, I'm certain that we're landing this time. Something like that, not we'll have a go. Have a go is like, oh, we'll see if the takeaway's open, or, you know, we'll have a go on a fairground ride, or not we'll have a go landing 200 people. Um, and so in that moment, I guess, for me, it just epitomized maybe what a lot of us have felt like we've been through over the last few years. You know, actually, there are storms of life that have been thrown at us collectively. Do we say the C word? Let's go for the P word, the pandemic. The, the financial challenges. There's another war in Europe on our continent. These things are coming at us collectively as a nation, as nations, actually, as well across this region. But then individually, there's been all the challenges that have spurted off that. For us individually, maybe heightened levels of anxiety for some or or serious, even more serious financial challenges for others, or, or whatever it might be, we, we have been through these storms, but it was almost like the faith of my child, or the unwitting faith of my child, like she even had that decision of just knowing, I'm okay because I'm with mum and dad. You know, I don't even know if that's a thought process yet, I'm not a child neurologist, but like, she was happy because she was with us, not because we were in, a, in a, what seemed like a death-defying scenario, but actually, she was just happy because she was with us. And she was content and there was a peace. And, and there's times over the past few years that have not been happy, but we might have found a contentment and peace and solidness almost and strength in God. Because I've said this to our church a number of times. I might have said it here before, but God did not put us through the pandemic. Okay? That theology, that idea is not helpful to any of us. That God put us through this because then it paints a picture of God is... Is this guy with a magnifying glass and we're ants and he's trying to burn us? No. This stuff happens. We live in a broken world and God walks with it through. Uh, God walks with it, fr- walks in it with us. I was trying to put the word through in there somehow. But he's the one that walks with us. He's the one that journeys with us. He's the one that is, that is with us in it. But he did not put us through it. And so whatever we're facing, whatever we're journeying through, the storms of life... 
I just have such empathy with all of us because it's what we've all faced and we can have collective empathy together, but also understanding you're sat here now. And whether it's your first time in church today, whether you've been a Christian for uh, five minutes or 50 years or whatever it might be, the fact that you're sat here now makes a statement to say because you had a choice in the pandemic to say, nah, I'm done with that church thing. It's all right, it's not, it's not convenient for me anymore because now I have to get an app on my phone to watch it or, well, no, I, you know, I'll just, I'll just maybe go once a month or, or I won't be as involved because now I've got this reason not to be. But I love that we're sat in this room and if you're engaging at home, maybe you're ill or whatever that might be, that you're seeking to engage with this community. That's significant, I believe, because we had the choice not to. And for others, maybe in that time, it actually drove us to say, actually, no, I I need to get back to church. I need to re-engage. I need to reconnect. Or for others, maybe we had questions. You know, one of the biggest questions asked in the UK, according to multiple different researches right now, is, will everything be okay? That is the biggest question people are asking. Maybe you've asked it. Maybe you feel it. But actually, it's God that is walking with it through us. And there's a significance of being sat in this room, engaging online, serving at things, whatever that looks like for you in the life of this church community, because we're saying, actually, there may only be a few of us, and I love that this church is growing, and and the pattern across the UK is the churches that are growing are the ones that are um, stuck with it through COVID and are also not just trying to change all all the beliefs or whatever, but I just say, no, this is what we're about, and we're seeking to live different. We're not trying to fit in with society. We're seeking to live different. And so my message this morning is called a bold remnant. And you might think, remnant, that's quite a negative word, but I love the definition of remnant. It's a small minority of people who remain faithful to God. I'm okay being a minority. I'm okay with that. I've made a resolve in myself. Because actually, when we look in the Bible and we look at history, particularly when the church was first birthed, it was called the way. Why? Because they lived a different way. You know, they were living in a different way. They were, but they were seen as a smaller group. The census says there is less Christians than ever before in the UK. I'm okay with that. It's okay to be okay with that. Because we're saying, okay, there's people that have made decision. And now we know more about who we're trying to reach and invite into what God's up to. Because when the number is higher and people say, well, I'll just tick that box because I've always ticked that box. But actually people are making a conscious and say, do I really believe that? Do I really want to engage with that? And God's calling us to live different kind of lives and to be a bold remnant. Even in the face of things like cancel culture, it's so rife. Particularly the younger you are, the more that can be disengaging and disfranchising and hurtful, I believe, because of things like social media nothing wrong with social media, but the way that cancel culture operates in that space. That actually it's a narrative of shame. It's a narrative of shutdown. It's a narrative of put down. Because we're, and maybe, just maybe, people want to say, no, I'm going to cancel you because you're saying your truth is the only truth. You see, people are okay in the UK right now to say, hey, you have your truth, I've got my truth. But when we say, yeah, but we, we have one truth, and uh, people don't seem to like that. But the greatest thing is, we're not talking about a theory. We're not talking about an ideal. We're not talking about someone who lived thousands of years ago. We're like, I have one truth, and I know the way, the truth, and the life, and his name is Jesus. And that deep question that you're asking, will everything be okay? I know the hope for all humanity, and his name is Jesus. 
He won't straighten out all your problems straight away, but he'll walk with you through it. So when you feel alone, he's with you. When you're in your darkest time, he's with you. Because we are a bold remnant. And we see in Acts, we see this journey of the church, that it is a group of bold, younger people. But actually, we see many, many people come on board with that in the face of much more serious things than how we face cancel culture now. And we've seen that throughout history. And so I want to pick up this verse with Peter and John. We'll read this verse together. We'll come to those verses in a minute. And I just want to give us some context. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They were ordinary men, no special training in the Scriptures, in the Bible, and, they were, uh, and the Bible as they understood it at that time. And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They saw the boldness, and then they unpacked the boldness to be. They've been with Jesus. They don't maybe know everything that we know, but actually they're living this stuff out, and they are ordinary people. They saw their boldness. Because just in Acts 3, moments before Peter and John had been on the way to the temple to gather with others to pray and worship, and they see this lame man, you may know this story, and, and right at this gate called Beautiful, and this man says, do you have any money? And, he, and they say, no. But what we do have in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. And this man jumps up, he's healed immediately, and then he goes running and dancing and leaping into the, into the temple. This caused an absolute ruckus because... Number one, whose name are they doing this in? Well, it's Jesus, so they've got a problem with that straight away. And then, because these are the same people that sent him to the cross, that are now interrogating Peter and John moments later. And so in this moment, we see a greater boldness, because we see that boldness in the 120 who were left after Jesus', Jesus death and resurrection. There's about 120 gathered when Jesus gives some of his final words. And then they wait to receive the Holy Spirit. And then we see the birth of the church. And I want to look at a bit of Peter's journey really briefly this morning. And actually because he wasn't always bold. He didn't always look like a bold remnant. But it was a journey for him. And it was a restorative journey. But I just want to say this before we go there. Boldness and arrogance are two separate matters. I'm not a professor of the English language, but... Thinking about, I just wanted to really define the difference between these two things because boldness is godly, faith, and truth based when we step out with Jesus. I love what it says in Proverbs 28, verse 1 in the New Living Translation The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. So, actually, boldness is not driven by something we can create, it's given by God, and it's the Holy Spirit who helps us because He's here with us. Whereas arrogance is pride is based on what we can do. It's how what we can achieve without fully relying on God. Hey, we've all been there. We've all had those moments where we're like, I'm just trying to do this thing. But sometimes then it comes across as like maybe, oh, I know I've got all the answers. Or, or because, but sometimes it just roots back into, oh, I forgot to involve God. <laughs> and that's okay. We've all been there. We all have those moments. And those moments don't necessarily go away, but we've got to come back to, where does boldness come from? And how does that look in our everyday conversations with our neighbor or a colleague or someone in our school? Well, I think that might look like something like when someone asks, so what do you get up to on Sunday? We can say, oh, I went to church and 
you know, share that how you want, but, but maybe then find out how they are, listening to where they're at, before we then immediately want to go, right, let me tell you everything about Jesus quickly, <laughs> um, without hearing where you're at and journeying with you, because we've got a truth to bring, and we know the way, the truth, and the life. And so actually, when we, um, when we do it out of boldness, we listen to them first, we hear where they're at, we journey with them, and then we take the bold step to share who he is and how we can help them, because now we understand how they need Jesus in their context, in their environment. It's just one example. And so how did Peter journey with this? He was bold sometimes. Some people think he was just a bit daft or stupid or silly. But I would personally rather look stupid or daft or silly in other people's eyes if I was being bold for God. But that doesn't wipe away my just plain me damn stupidity, okay? Because that is homegrown, you know? Do that all on my own. And we all do, right? (laughs) Silly moments, whatever it might be. But sometimes when we're being bold for God, some people deem it as those other things. You see, boldness is part of our faith in action. And see, I love about Peter was he was always willing to have a go. Maybe that pilot on the Jet 2 flight loved him. He's just like a big fan of Peter, always having a go. You just don't need to tell the people on the plane that. You know, he steps out and walks on the water with Jesus. An amazing story. He was up for having a go. But then in other moments when he has a go, he gets out a sword, don't know where he got that from, and chops some guy's ear off to project Jesus, and Jesus thankfully then heals the guy's ear. And then when he stepped out to lead the early church, that actually this man, we see this journey of boldness, but it wasn't fully there all the time. So I want to look at three scenarios. The first one is this, in the courtyard. Jesus was arrested, and Peter followed him to where he was. Some of you will probably know this story really well. It says this in Matthew 26. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and the servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before all of them. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again and with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Oh dear, for people with strong accents. Then he began to call down curses. He swore at them. He swore to them. Sorry, he didn't swear at them. Uh, He swore to them. Uh, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you would disown me three times. And then he went outside and wept bitterly. A moment of, G- of Peter's great mistake, of error, of getting it wrong, of trying to fit in. But actually, it's not Peter's boldest moment. But when we get it wrong, sometimes we feel like we can't go back We feel like we're anything but bold, and we feel like it actually diminishes all our previous boldness if we feel like we've had those moments in our journey of faith. And we have moments where we don't feel so bold. We have moments when we get it wrong. I love what Marie shared earlier. There isn't a condemnation because Jesus was not condemning Peter. He was just trying to give him a friendly warning, really. Hey, you know, this is what's going to happen. 
this, this prophecy he was giving him. And then Peter is just utterly gutted. And that's not Jesus condemning him. You know, it's to draw him back to Jesus. Say, hey, Jesus, uh, sorry, I ignored you kind of thing. And we'll see his restoration in just a moment. But Jesus can restore any of us. That is the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus. Why did he die on the cross? Why did he rise from the dead three days later? So that we could be restored. Jesus is into the restoration and redemption of all things. And we are included in that. That actually nothing that any of us have ever done, any mistake we've ever made, whatever that looks like in any of our lives, the stuff, the mistakes that only a few people know that I've made versus the ones that lots of people know that I've made, whatever it might be, Jesus welcomes us back with open arms and says, let, let me restore you. Let me help you. Let me heal you. Let me invite you into something more and leave that behind. You see, this morning you may feel disqualified or inadequate or feel like, actually, no, I can't do something for God. I can't, I can't do what those amazing people this summer did with half because I'm this or I've done that or whatever it might be. But no, Jesus says, no, you can be part of it because I'm the one that restores you. I'm the one that makes a way. And because he wants us to live in something more, he wants us to be bold for him. He wants us to be people that are willing to say, actually, I'm with Jesus, to be a bold remnant in our nation, in this town, in this area. And then we meet Peter again on the beach. Well, Jesus is on the beach. And so let's pick that up. In John 21, it says this in verse 4 onwards. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. By the way, that happens a lot, doesn't it? If you look at the stories of disciples, spec savers, that's all I can think of. Um, okay, no, one person got that. Um, he, called, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Throw your net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to hold the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, is it the Lord? As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him that he had taken off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed the boat, towing the net full of fish, and they were not yet far from the shore. When they landed, they saw the fire and there was burning coals, and there was fish on it with some bread. Jumping down to verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him for a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus goes on to explain something which we'll pick up in just a moment. This moment of restoration, this moment of Peter invited back in. In fact, Jesus addresses him as Simon because he's identifying a significance of, Simon, you've gone back to, uh, 
Peter, you've gone back to living in the ways of Simon because Jesus changed his name, which is a whole other story. But to reframe what he meant, Simon meant reed blowing in the wind. Peter means rock. And so actually Jesus saying, Simon, I'm calling you from over here into who I've created you to be, Peter. And in this moment, maybe if you'll just indulge me for just a second, an interpretation. Well, there's a significance of three. Why does he ask him three times? The simple conclusion I come to is Peter disowned him three times. And so for every time Peter disowned him, Jesus is restoring him. Because imagine if you were Peter, the guilt and the shame you would have felt, the weight you were carrying around with you. And Jesus is then asking you these questions, and you're thinking, well, is it because of what I've done? Well, no, Jesus isn't condemning him because of what he's done. Jesus is inviting him back into who he's created him to be. And this is the bit I'd love you to indulge with in interpretation. Is it's the morning. Because it's not just the guilt and shame that Peter was carrying from that moment, but every time he heard a rooster crow, how would you feel the pain, the guilt, all of those things? Just maybe, just maybe in this moment, could there have been a rooster crowing? And so as Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Maybe the theme tune in the background could be being restored as well. But that's just my interpretation, that little bit. That Jesus restores Peter's identity back from his, he'd been in his old identity of fishing and he'd slipped back into that. The way I can think about it is I've got a bag, it's not this morning's service, it's not sponsored by Urban Outfitters. That that when we think about this moment, Peter's kind of put on his old identity, he's taken, he stepped back into the space he was. This is my old jobs gilet, it has many pockets, that's why I put stuff in. I'll pretend it's screws and a hammer. Uh, I do DIY, but yeah. Um, that actually he'd gone back into his old self, he'd beginning to wear something different. He even wrapped that garment around him as he got out of the boat. But that morning, Jesus was saying, hey, take this off and put something better on. Put something who I have created you to be. Put Peter on. Step into who I've created you to be. Stop. Take that off. And sometimes we find ourselves stepping back into wearing this, don't we? It's so easy sometimes that we end up in a place where we're like, oh, I just kind of slip back into those things, whatever it might be, ways and people, environments, whatever it is that we end up putting this back on and forgetting about who God has created us to be, that our identity is him. Most of my um, younger teenagehood, I spent in multiple different groups of people trying to dress like them, sound like them, do the things like them. And it was basically, I was just a rubbish version of lots of different parts of myself. Because the truth is, is that when we try to be someone else or we try to match up with a certain group of people, whatever it might be, when we are not the people that God created us to be and our identity isn't in Christ and we're trying to maybe do something else, then we just do a rubbish version of it. The only best version that we live of ourselves is the one that Jesus created us for. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. And Jesus never is going to ask us to be someone else. He's always going to invite us back into who he's created us to be. The identity that he has given us. 
because we just do a poor job at being anyone else. And so Jesus brings Peter back in that moment to his identity, that he loves him, that he wants to restore him. And so this morning, if you feel, actually, my identity, you know, kind of living in this, in this old way, I'm living in the Simon, but I want to step into the Peter. Well, Jesus is, is into restoration, right? So he's, he's inviting us into it. He's inviting us into that space. And the thing is this, anything above our identity in Christ is always going to take us back there. And what I mean by that is, is that sometimes in life, so when I was a teenager, it was all about music and what groups you hung out in, what music you listened to, that was what it was all framed by. But therefore, we were defined by how we dressed and what music we listened to. But that's not our top identity marker. In, right now in 2023, there are many, many things that are going to try and tell us that are more important than their identity in Christ. People are going to say, our job, where we live, who we spend time with, our family, our sexuality, our gender, none of those match up to our identity in Christ. And so when we say my identity is in Christ, everything else falls in place. And it's about that simple. I'm a simple person, but when I realized that, it was a game changer for me because actually then my identity is in Christ and everything else comes second. And because and Jesus is not someone to condemn us in our old identity, but he is inviting us into our new identity to restore us, the identity he's created us to be in all three persons of him, God, Father, Son, uh, sorry, <laughs> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we get to walk boldly in it. If you want to be bold for Jesus, step into the identity he's created us to live. And that's not, that's not a to-do list to do or here's a bunch of things to do from this message. Jesus is inviting us in. He's saying, hey, I've got something more for you. Because if we want to live boldly for him. And then from this moment, there's a gear shift in Peter's life as I come into the land with this. Soon after Jesus leaves the earth, he commissions his followers, as I mentioned before, to preach the good news to all creation. He promises the Holy Spirit's come. The Holy Spirit comes 10 days afterwards. And in that upper room, there's a bold remnant of his 120 that are left. And from that place, Peter is there in the midst. He steps up and we find him in the spotlight. Peter stepping out in boldness. He's filled with boldness by being filled with the Holy Spirit. God did incredible things as the church was birthed. And the guy who got it so wrong, the guy who Jesus restored, then led thousands to come to know him. He invited thousands to be part of what he was up to, to be part of this thing called the way at the time, to be part of the birth of the church. And that same boldness Jesus gives us by his Holy Spirit. You know, in Mark 16, verse 15, one of Jesus' commissions and encouragements to us is go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation or preach the good news to all creation. Maybe you think, well, I'm, not, I'm not a preacher. I'm not the one with the microphone. That's for a few people. But actually, Jesus is saying that to all of us. And when we shift our mindset on that and say, actually, my life is my platform, my social media, my street, my workplace, my school, wherever it is, that actually... Jesus give me a platform to communicate, and I have a platform in life to communicate something of the good news of Jesus. If you have one friend, and you don't talk to anyone else, that's still a platform. That's still someone to share Jesus with in a bold and yet kind and generous and sensitive way. And sometimes what happens is we get confused with, I don't, I don't have a handheld microphone, but 
Sometimes we think there's a bit of a struggle and think, well, I don't know what to say or I don't know how to like, articulate that. Or, and we think we've got to have the microphone and the speaker. But in reality, Jesus is inviting us to be the speaker. Give him the microphone. Because then he'll speak through us. And it's not we just stand there and all of a sudden he makes our lips start moving. But actually saying, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I need your help with this. If my role is as the speaker, actually then I don't have to come up with everything that goes through the microphone. And there's things in our story and there's things that the Holy Spirit will help illuminate. But Jesus is the one who helps us to communicate his good news. Because we get to share Jesus with our friends and our family and our neighbours and Maybe if the band could come and join me. As a teenager, I knew that, particularly my early teens, I spent a lot of my time, as I mentioned before, trying to blend in, being distracted. But then I came back and I had a revelation, a moment with Jesus, whatever you want to call that, where I realized actually it, living for him is not about blending in, it's about standing out. And many of us have probably heard this kind of analogy before. But actually, it's not about being like others. It's about being different for others. Because we have a message of hope and good news that will help them. That actually, when I chose not to blend in, that's when Jesus started, started to use me more. And our lives point to him. Our lives put him on display in our everyday. And the fruit of that is that more people are transformed by him. And so why now? Well, more people are asking the question never, will everything be okay and God is looking for people who understand that now is the time. God is inviting us. It's not next year. It's not next week. It's now. That God is inviting us to be bold for him. Maybe if it's your first time in church, you don't even know if you follow Jesus yet. That's okay. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to what Jesus has done for us. But for some of us, we're like, actually, no, I need to receive that invitation to be bold and receive the Holy Spirit's help in that. I believe you've been doing a series on Ecclesiastes. And one of the most famous parts of Ecclesiastes, as you know, is about thinking about time. And there's a time for this and there's a time for that. And it's such a beautifully written book of the Bible. Well, I think the time is now. There's a nation that are looking for answers, are looking for hope, are looking for truth. And we know him. He's called Jesus. And we get to introduce him to others. And so on this Sunday, for some of us, it is the start of a new year, today or tomorrow. In this back-to-school weekend, we have a decision to step into this new season. If it's not, use it. Do what you want with it. But it's, it's an opportunity for us to step into this new season, into what God has got for us, to be a bold remnant. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps us do that. But we need to understand there is a cost. Peter paid the cost with his life. John 21 verse 19 explains what, 18 explains what that is. And says, actually, Peter, Jesus is saying, Peter, you're going to die a death that is similar to basically what Jesus died on the cross. And Peter, historians tell us, was crucified upside down. But it cost him his life. Thankfully, that is not a cost that we face. But Jesus, when he invites us to be bold for him, there is a cost. And when council culture comes our way or, or consumerism comes our way or comfortability comes our way, these are the things that are going to make us question what is the cost? What are we willing to give up for Jesus? How are we willing to be bold for Jesus? I was so challenged last week in the life of our church as Maureen did an amazing preach. We finished our series and she was preaching about blessed are the persecuted. 
And she talked about how challenged she was about the, from the persecuted church. I'm always challenged by them and inspired by them because I think, actually, what I have to give up is nothing in comparison to you. And Jesus sees us, and he says he invites us to be bold. Acts 4.13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, and they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Peter knew the cost, and he was still bold. And so there's two invitations I want to give this morning, because it's the Holy Spirit who helps us be bold. First, maybe as the band begin to play, and maybe just if we close our eyes for a second, just so we're not distracted and so we can reflect, that I'd show you this morning for some of us, maybe we need to make a decision to say, Jesus... I need, to, I need to come back to you or make a decision to follow you for the first time. I need to receive that forgiveness that you've got for me, that life that you've got for me by what you did on the cross, the fact that you uh, died that death and rose from the dead. But if that's you this morning, if you want to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry I've tried to do, live life my own way and I want to choose to follow you. Just me and a couple of the leaders looking around. If that's your decision, Dad, let me just put your hand up where you are, just so I know who I'm praying for. Great. 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 Jesus, we thank you that we can come to you as we are and that you are the one who restores us. You do not condemn us. You do not pressure us but you are the one who invites into life in all its fullness. We're sorry for the mistakes that we've made and we choose to follow you. If you want to agree with that prayer, then say amen. And the second invitation I want to give is this. For as if we're like, actually, I need to step into this space, not to engineer my own boldness, but I need the Holy Spirit's help. I want to understand that now is the, I understand that now is the time to be bold for him. But I know that it's he is the one who helps us do that, and he is the one who invites us into that. And so if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. If you want to be more bold for Jesus, if you want to live out this same boldness as Peter did, empowered by the Holy Spirit, knowing that it doesn't matter what we've done in the past because Jesus has restored us and he invites us to be bold for him, to live differently for him, to put him on display in every day. If that's you, I'm the first responder because I'm already standing. If you want to join me, please stand where you are and I'd love to pray for you. If, you, if you're able, if you're not able to stand, please raise your hand if you want to do that. And so Holy Spirit, maybe you, if you're standing, you want to posture yourself in a receiving posture. There's nothing magical or special about that. But just to help our minds, you know, maybe putting our hands out, putting our hands up, putting our hands down, whatever that looks like for you. Just say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I want, I want your help. I want to receive something from you. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are present here with us, that you are the one who helps us to be bold. We are ordinary people. We don't know everything about your word, just like it says in Acts 4. But we want to be known by, being be, by having been with you, in your presence, Jesus, with you, encountered you, you've changed our lives. And so help us to be bold like Peter and John. Holy Spirit, fill us with the boldness that only you can give us.